Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Real Debaters. I'm Michael Petro, your host, and one of the debaters on this shit show that we've grown, seeds and all. <laughs> this week on the show, we're supported by our friends at Proper Design Works, a custom clothing and embroidery manufacturer here in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, our lovely hometown. There are two sides to Proper Design Works. You have your custom clothing side and your commercial side. For the commercial side of the business, if you are looking for mass orders of patches, hats, t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, pants, you name it. Uh, they can help you out with that. If you're starting a new business, are you a sports team looking to look better? Um, that new business wants to hand out some free patches and some free t-shirts, uh, birthday parties, stags, divorce parties, bar mitzvahs, anything that requires a way to express how you're feeling through a piece of clothing. These guys are so fucking creative. They'll knock your socks off and make you new ones, literally. And then they've got the custom clothing side of the business, which if you're looking for, say, a bespoke tailored pair of jeans, for example, something that's very fitted to your body, or a hoodie that's got a weird pocket and a weird zipper somewhere, they'll work with you on it. Don't believe me? Go check them out at Proper Design Works on Instagram. And then once you're done there and you're like, hey, you know what? Mike was right. I should buy something because it's great stuff. Info at properdesignworks.com is their email address. Again, that's info at properdesignworks.com. And again, at Proper Design Works on Instagram. This week on the show, we have media darling, literally, Doug Darling. Doug Darling is one of my oldest friends as well as Mark. And Doug owns a media company that tries to unlock the science behind storytelling and they tell it through video and animation he is a mad genius when it comes to the science of storytelling that was the whole purpose we wanted him on the show because i wanted to find out what it's why, why are we so enamored by what we watch when we're watching one of our favorite movies what is it that gets us and he talks about the hook and 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 content and 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 strife and trouble and all the different things that we're so enamored by when we when we dig into a movie and when we binge watch stuff incredibly talented super fun very talkative, all great things in a podcast guest. I will quit talking about it and get right to the balls of this. Uh, if you want to find us on Instagram or Twitter, it's at Real Debaters. Facebook, The Real Debaters Podcast. Just search those three. It's R-E-E-L if you want to know the spelling of it because we're cheeky motherfuckers like that. Our website is therealdebaters.podbean.com. Again, that's therealdebaters.podbean.com. And our email address, if you'd like to talk to us, is therealdebaters at gmail.com. I give you Doug Darling. I'll cue the real, and you enjoy the show. the guy who off the top of my head I can't think of his name but he just did the um, squirrel obstacle course okay he's a engineer and he I don't know if you saw it it was like the, <laughs> it was like the ninja warrior squirrel backyard course yeah I seem to recall that and he's he's he also did the glitter bomb package like, yeah, for yeah. people <laughs> the big spinner one yeah so just the way his delivery is and yeah. and his very uh, intelligent take on things i i would really aspire to sort of present like he does it was yeah it's how you wrap it right because yeah. it's like the information itself might not be anything new it's 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 
the experience you put around it um, and, and how you make it your own, how you make it fun or how you make it dramatic or whatever it is that you do to it. That sounds like a great segue into what we're going to be talking about today. Hey, <laughs> we can't, we can't do those. I'm just like, okay, so we're going to start now. That's right. my segue, right? I did not write that out. <laughs> anyway, so uh, welcome to the living room, Doug Darling. Thank you. Um, we're not going to pretend like we don't know you here because um, <laughs> that would just be weird. Uh, but uh, today um, we get to do one of, well, we get to go back to our ongoing series that we had to pause because of COVID, which was Manitobans Making Movies. That's the rough working title mm. for this whole series. And I like the alliteration. <laughs> Manitobans Triple. Making Movies. Triple M, buddy. Triple M, exactly, yeah. Um, we'll call it 3M. 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 Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't think anyone knows <laughs> oh, that. Yeah. I think you're safe. I think, yeah, they, they don't make masks, do they? I'll make the posters. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we, I, I've, I wanted you on the show because I, you, we'll, we'll get into it, but I figured, I've been reading podcast literature and they say start with your friends because it's mm. the easiest conversation to have for interviews. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm a little green with this stuff, so we'll, uh, it'll be touch and go for a little bit here, but uh, I wanted to bring you on because you own Tripwire Media. Yes. Okay. And I do. W- for a little... <laughs> do I? Wait. Uh, <laughs> Hold on a second. Wait, Let me check the legal documents on yeah. this. Uh, for, let's, so let's give a little background on it. What is Tripwire Media? Yeah, Tripwire Media is... Uh, right now we're calling it a video agency. Uh, we were kind of video production before, but we're kind of branching off into video agency and, and becoming a video, video digital uh, uh, strategy agency. Um, but, uh, yeah, we are a video production company essentially that makes, uh, all different forms of mostly commercial and corporate video. Uh, that's everything from, um, corporate documentary to, uh, TV commercial to, uh, animated explainers, instructional videos, kind of everything in between. That, that's a, that is a toolbox of movie. Yeah. Well, and I mean, we just pull all our inspirations from movie making and we're kind of like the... We're kind of like the the ugly stepchild of of, of the mo- <laughs> film industry. I kind of joke about that with the, with my film friends, and uh, they uh, they're like, "Don't be so hard on yourself." But I kind of feel like that that way sometimes. <laughs> I I disagree. I've a seen lot, a lot shorter form. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Short films. Yeah. Yeah. Short, short films. Yeah. Short and to the point. Um, okay. So with with Tripwire Media, I I always like to start at the beginning because that's the easiest place to start. When did you realize you kind of wanted to get into media production? Like, what what was the steps that you kind of found yourself taking? Yeah, I mean, to to go back, uh, I was actually a a failed musician in my early twenties, and um, uh, it failed is a little dramatic, but I was trying to make it in the, the music industry, and I just wasn't really uh, doing it. I don't think my my heart was in it. And when I'd really seen that how tough an industry it is to make it successfully to live off of it, and especially in Canada. Uh, I started to kind of see the writing on the wall. So I really had no idea what I wanted to do. Uh, and I went into college. I, t- I went into Red River uh, um, uh, College, and I took creative communications. From there, uh, I was uh, it majors in four uh, areas, which is journalism, uh, advertising, PR, and broadcast production. And so actually, I was like, well, I think PR sounds like a good – I get to work with people, I get, to, I get to write, and I get to hopefully kind of – you know, it felt like the most – potentially financially successful that you could do there but when we got into the second semester we started shooting and really editing was when I realized that I had found kind of my my new music and it was it was more than music it was more than performing it was uh, film obviously it was also graphics and art and design and all these things that was really in my mind the culmination of, of art for me I think you can do the most with film and 
don't quote me on that because I'm sure someone could come and go, well, you know, <laughs> VR or something. But I, I just, in my mind, it really felt like this new way to express myself. It didn't involve me having to be on a stage. It didn't involve me having to be uh, necessarily around other people. I could do it myself or with a group. And so my passion just lay in really creating uh, through sh- shooting and, and through editing. Editing was my is still kind of my favorite of the art forms within it. Uh, and from there, I actually went into cre- um, um, communications and marketing after graduating. There wasn't a lot in the video world, video um, uh, video uh, uh, agencies or um, boutiques didn't really exist that much uh, 10 years ago, 11 years ago. It was kind of where either getting into news production or you're getting into film. And I didn't really think I had learned anything to get into film. I hadn't even really thought about it. So I was like, well, I can't get a job in, in news right now. And so I went into marketing and communications, which kind of helped because it helped me round out my skills and, and some of the people that I met and my design and my writing and PR and all that kind of stuff. But then I basically got, uh, there was a, a guy named David Lewis who did photography and audio, and uh, I was a big fan of him, and we were, we were becoming really good friends, and he just asked one day if I wanted to start a business. And I, uh, As you do. Yeah, as you do, <laughs> and it was really fun. I was literally just talking about this today when I was talking to someone else. about like, well, how did you, know, how did you consider the, the pros and cons of it? I'm like, well, I said, let me check with my girlfriend, <laughs> but it's a yes. And then I went home, and I told Denise, now my wife, and told her that I'm quitting my job and starting a company. And she's like, have you thought about it? I was like, of course. And, uh, and that's how a lot of people start companies. And luckily, you know, through a lot of challenging years at the beginning, we were, we were able to get through and, and, you know, uh, I ended up buying them out a couple of years later and anyways, fast forward, here we are now. Um, how 10, many years ago? Years. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So t- yeah. Uh, 2009 in August. So actually we're about to hit 11 years. Cool. Yeah. Wow. Okay. You said editing is your favorite part. I want to yeah. kind of go back to that for a second here. What is it about editing that you like? Cause as, as a podcaster, I, we were, we were talking about this before we started recording. You can learn a lot on YouTube, right? Yes. But I, I don't like editing. I fucking hate it. If I could do if I could do a one cut take and be done with it, that would be my dream. But that's always, almost never, not the case, right? So, what is it about that that you like? Because I, I can't, I, I, I don't, I don't understand it. One, it's funny as I'm saying that I, I hardly edit anymore. I, I'm now the CEO running a company. I dive in from time to time, and man, it's fun. What I like about it though is, uh, is the a the control that you have over it. It's it's uh, you're kind of conducting, you know, you're you're putting things in certain places and trying them out and you don't necessarily have to worry about using film or tape or digital. Um, You don't have to worry about people's time. You can sit in a dark room and just play with it for hours until it starts to do something for you. And it really does for me, like like writing a song. Uh, when it starts to work, the, the gratification, the immediate gratification that you get from it when uh, something times well. I think it's really helpful uh, when an editor is a musician um, because mm. there is, uh, there's a pace to it and there's a flow to it. and there are Timing, some, tempo, yeah, all and there those are, things. So when you, when you get these things to work, there are these moments. You, you know, I remember being in an edit suite just going like, oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, just like being way too into myself. and. Uh, <laughs> And uh, and and uh, and that's where I really got the joy out of it. But it was just experimentation and uh, not worrying about time being a part of it. Um, I think the other part with me, of me was that with shooting, um, I've never been a fan of event planning, for instance. And coming from music, I used to try a few. And there's what what I always hate about it is there's so many things that could go wrong. And if they do, you either realize too late uh, or it's you know, and it's hard to fix. So 
with shooting, um, there felt like there's a lot of pressure and anxiety in, in setting those up. And especially at the beginning, you're kind of doing them yourself. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of room for error, a lot of ways to screw yep. it up with editing. Um, you know, if you screw something up a little bit, you can just go, Oh, let's try that. Okay. No, that doesn't work. Okay. Let's try that. Let, that doesn't work. So, um, for someone who doesn't, you know, I think enjoys being by themselves a lot. Um, I think editing, uh, is a really great place to just kind of be in your element. It's like a, like a songwriter rather than playing with a band where you have to kind of accommodate to other people and listen to other people. It's very selfish. <laughs> Editing can be, especially when, you know, at the beginning you were doing all of it. So I think that's, you know, again, it's, it's the conducting of, of the, uh, I think editors are giving, uh, and I hear this often from actors and directors and, and, and at all different levels that editing is actually one of the most underrated um, of, uh, of the professions in film because it really is the assembly and it's really how it's going to make you feel. Mm-hmm. You raise a really interesting point because as, I, as, as this adventure that we're on kind of keeps going, I am constantly educating myself mm-hmm. and I'm finding that my immediate love for the cinematographer and the director is slowly being replaced with the editor because I'm learning how these are very rough cuts on sets, right, or on locations. So your colorist has to come in, right? Your editor has to know, like, has to go through, like, hundreds, thousands of of different shots and sequences and ideas. And you've got your A-roll and your B-roll, so you're constantly combing through them all. So, like you say, it's very underrated because they're the puzzle piece producer for lack of a better word i don't yeah and it's not to uh, at all uh uh, put down any of the other uh, no yeah uh, things that add to it it really is a culmination i mean it's nothing without the proper music it's nothing without you've you've seen shitty sound effects before right or or bad adr and like you know it all has to work um but i just uh i I think that um those post uh those uh those post-production techniques are highly underrated um, uh, as important as the director, the DOP, you know, the, the grip and gaff, uh, and of course the actors are, or the performers or, or whatever the, the focus is, yeah, yeah. um, the post, uh, often doesn't get the same kind of respect in my opinion. It's not as sexy. I it, guess, well, it isn't. Right? Like, you know, <laughs> you know, you don't see like, you know, you see someone going like, and action and no, don't do that. You don't really get the same joy at a scene, you know, someone in a dark room, click, 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 click. Yeah, click, click, click. We like conflict. We like drama. We yeah. don't. But I hear what you're saying in the sense that that's where the magic happens, so to speak. Is that that's where you get those aha moments where that's where it comes together. You can just you know you, you stitch something together and and you put all of those pieces together and you're like, yeah. oh, that's that's the 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 emotion I was trying to convey. Yeah, comedy. I mean, again, obviously it, it stems with the proper direction and performance, but the the editing, uh, the timing on comedy, a lot of actually like self. Uh, uh, self-taped, uh, uh, you know, YouTube videos and things that are on uh, TikTok or Vine before. A lot of that is just in the editing alone, mm-hmm. uh, and just when you cut something off a little too early or you let something go a little too long. There's hilarity in that pace, right? And that comes from some good editing if the performance supports it. Would that be why YouTube videos are so sliced and diced these days? Is yeah, jump cuts, and, jump cuts like that. Yeah. yeah, and it makes it funny. It makes it or it keeps the pace up. If you just let someone kind of uh, stream like line of thought like and just kind of go, uh, it will get most likely it will get boring uh, or or be too slow when someone has to pause. But when you can cut between someone's thoughts or you're kind of jumping back and forth, it gives this frantic, energetic feel to it. Um, so that you know, jump cuts uh, being when you jump from one similar frame to the next, but you know that it's you know it's not uh, continuous. So that's a very common thing in in uh, in, in self-made uh, YouTube videos. 
So clearly, if you're in that much control, not to dwell on the editing portion of this mm -hmm. whole thing too much, but if you're the one in that much of control, then it really means that you need to have that uh, comedic timing and sense and and basically what an actor yeah. would have, but you need to know what's going to relate to the, the, the end user. Yeah. Right? What's going to be funny? What's... You know, and, and that's where if it doesn't hit, then then maybe you're not doing your it job. It can be subjective to uh, also the, the director as well. So sometimes the directors are very, very involved. Kevin Smith does a lot of his own e editing, for instance. Peter Jackson lies on a couch and watches the sits with the editor the whole time. There's other ones like um, uh, who's the director on, on Hot Fuzz? I'm just losing it right now. Uh, Hot Fuzz and uh, yeah. uh, uh, Shaun of the Dead. Uh, and, yeah, and, um, but Run, Fat Boy, Run, and yeah. Uh, but uh, he, um, you know, he actually plans for his edits in storyboarding, and then again works really closely. But his editor is, you know, he won for um, uh, Slumdog Millionaire, and he's done uh, almost all of. The, he's done, um, uh, you know, watch Hot Fuzz again. Uh, with an editing mind and sense, and watch how those transitions and timelines work really well. There is uh, Edgar Wright. Thank Sorry you, Edgar Wright. There are no lazy transitions, and it's all done with fabulous editing, and it just makes that movie that much better. Okay, mm. I know why I like him because he did Scott Pilgrim. He also did Scott Pilgrim, and he's also got uh, the world's world's the end. World's end. Yeah, Baby Driver. Okay, yeah, and there's a there's a uniqueness to that. Yeah, like not to go again on too much of a tangent, though, like with Baby Driver, he actually had this editor uh, on set uh, and he had timed out the music every scene. Uh, and then they would actually they had this uh, system to uh, quickly process the uh, the film quick enough so they could edit it to see if it worked on the timeline. Yeah, wow. it was like one of the first times they did that. He was oh, basically wow. sitting on the back of a truck just editing as they went. It was hilarious. I've mm. seen mentions of live editing these days, and yeah. I'm just like, wow, that's, that's... How great is that, though? We're looking at the director's name, and I totally forget the editor's name. It's like being a bass player. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, gosh. It all comes together now. You're the drummer? I'm not I'm, going home. I'm the you. bass player of the film. Because <laughs> I'll argue about bass being the backbone of music. Oh, man. It's all self-serving. Shit. All right, so you uh, in in studying you, which is funny because I've known you for five plus years, but I was like, all right, if I'm gonna interview this guy, I might as well study him. Study me. Um, I went on the website, took a look at everything. Mm. You from from Facebook feeds and everything that you produce, you are very big on storytelling. Yes, and there is a sentence on your website: the science of storytelling, which I feel is the backbone to what you do. Right, mm -hmm. and I've seen everything. Well, not everything that you've done, but I every time you post something new. I'm I'm big on it because I, I I think you're very talented, but there is a sense of Doug Darling and everything that you do. Like I've seen things and I'm like, I bet Doug did that. And then I go and look and I'm like, that is that's some darling right there. So <laughs> what is a darling little film? It's a darling little film. Uh, so what is the science of storytelling? Well, hey, that's actually really awesome that you uh, you say that because actually a lot of the work that we do doesn't actually get touched by me as much anymore. But because we built the process in it, uh, not to say that uh, uh, that it has you know, something to do directly from me. But because there's a process, there is uh, what we hope for is a consistency in structure, but uh, a uniqueness in approach or okay. and, and style. Um, and so it goes back to about halfway, you know, about three or four years into Tripwire. We were making videos that were, were doing fine. You know, they were um, the, the client was happy. They looked good. You know, we were we, we were we were kind of happy with it as well. And I just kept looking at it. We really started to feel like we were making the same thing again and again. And you, it was these, someone would, uh, a client would call and they say, well, we have this 
gala event and we need to feature this company and uh let's go and uh you're going to interview the ceo and then let's get some b-roll of them kind of working a bit and then uh, show some outside footage and put that all together and uh they talk about their services maybe and they talk about you know how they started the company and they you know and, they, and we just felt like we were making the same thing and i'm like there's got to be something more than this and uh, and at the time, we'd actually been, I'd been following this organization called Still Motion, and uh, they're based out of Toronto. They started actually That's just with... That's a really great name. Sorry to cut yeah. you off. <laughs> they started with uh, wedding videos. They were kind of one of the first ones to do that, the, that music video style um, uh, wedding video. And one of theirs had gone viral, and they had, uh, um, they had uh, then done something for the NFL and then uh, the, the, uh, the United States Army. Uh, and they very quickly actually uh, rose to win uh, five Emmys. And a lot of it was no big through deal. no big deal. Yeah, a lot of it was through Patrick's drive for uh, Patrick and uh, and his. Um, uh, oh no, I'm just forgetting his now ex-wife, but they they had started the team together, and uh, you know they were they had met in Ryerson, uh, one going in for film and one going in for psychology, and they really oh, wow. kind of matched That's those a together. Combination. Yeah, because all really film is, and, and whether How it's commercial or not, make you feel? it's it's just. <laughs> It's just persuasion in one way or another. We're telling you a story to make you feel a certain way. And that's where the best uh, things that affect us, are the things that are memorable, the way that we lean in on, on each other when someone says, hey, I have a really great story to tell. Are you, you're not going to believe this story. Well, you can use storytelling um, very effectively in any form of communication, whether it's, you know, whether it's very noble art that's not trying to make a dime or whether it's something that you're trying to sell. And so um, they had created something called Muse Storytelling. Very cool to check that out online where they had actually, Patrick had felt that they were making some really successful films, um, but they, it wasn't enough to do it client by client. And they really wanted to help other filmmakers do so. And so I then started to, uh, I, I did their, uh, I did their course. They created an online course. Patrick's a very driven person who, when he wants to do something, he does. And he created this thing in about half a year. So it would probably take me five years to do. And, uh, and, uh, and as a result, I started to kind of change our process. I started to spend more time up front on the videos that we make, asking the right questions. What is the goal? What is the audience? What are you trying to do? How are we trying to move them? And rather than just, what do you think it should be? Um, and because often what the first request is to make is maybe something that actually isn't going to reach the goal or maybe they haven't even decided what that goal is. Mm -hmm. Maybe the audience is actually they're thinking in, in the terms of what's important to them, but it's actually what's important to the person who's watching and the action that you're trying to move them towards. So learning all these kind of tools, it's all really actually just route, routed in science and actually Muse Storytelling, their course has turned into is now called the science of storytelling. I became a coach for their film school, uh, their online film school and executive producer for one of their films. And I was able to bring that back to Tripwire and build a process that a allowed us to uh, ask deeper questions and come up hopefully with better stories and ideas to bring back to them, which then uh, would hopefully add value to the work that we're doing um, and uh, and then add impact in what uh, they were putting out there. And so the science of storytelling, though, is just really based in um, storytelling works on us at a scientific level, just like everything. Our brains are all built we're with hard science wired, and chemicals. Right? Yeah. We're hardwired yeah. for story always have been before we could even um, you know, say words since the caveman days. Uh, story has been what moves us to action. And by storytelling, I really mean emotion, emotional content. What is the... Uh, a good example is where um, there's a broken uh, or sorry, actually, I'll, I'll use the one of there's a, a picture of a really, really crappy um, 
computer it looks like it's you know it's an old like commodore 64 style keyboard or fr- maybe from a typewriter and it's got like you know it's it's in a wooden casing it's got like one of those old locks on it and it's got like scratched like it's Apple one point on it and, and you know and it's <laughs> it's just like it's not worth the pennies that you would uh that it was it, 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 that it's worth um but the fact that steve wozniak's signature is on the inside of it makes it sell for almost a million dollars and there's nothing that changes the physical properties of it it's the story that we attach to it the emotional value that we give it and so that has really really helped us grow it's really helped us do work that we feel uh more valued in and has more impact on uh, on our clients and uh it's not that we have this one structure although it really is a you know we usually start with a, a hero's journey or hero's arc because there is at the beginning you want a hook in your in your in your video, you want to grab their attention with something. You need to form a conflict within the first 25% because that is something that they will gravitate to. And I can tell you about the science about that, which is cortisol and oxytocin and all this kind of stuff. Um, but Go, then do you need, it. <laughs> well, <laughs> basically, with conflict, you need uh, uh, releases a stress hormone. It's cortisol. It's the reason that we stay focused on things. It's the reason that we don't turn a movie off or it's the reason that we binge watch a series or read a book we hear that there's a problem and we want to know what's going to happen it's a very just a base human uh, reaction that happens and so um, you want to do that in corporate storytelling as well we need to say what is the problem earlier on when there's a video that just talks about we do this and we do this and we do this and we do this there's nothing to grasp onto mm-hmm. it's really hard for us to be engaged with that but if i say um, we saw, you know, we saw a problem that needed to be solved and you go, Oh, cool. Well, do you guys solve that? Or how did you solve it? <laughs> um, and then what you want to make sure is you don't just answer the question. You then go, well, we took it on by doing this and then we did this and we tried this and failed, but then we tried this and then we tried this. And so by the time you get to it and now we have solved the problem, you go like, Oh yeah, I care about that a lot more than just you telling me that you do that. So me, my, my, by me telling my story before about, you know, suffering kind of in, in, in doing music and my passion for editing and That's how much I care about it. Well, there's, you know, there's actually, I could easily make that into a hook and conflict and, and a story to go. And now tripwire and people go, Oh, cool. <laughs> I, I probably feel for that company. And I feel for, I understand Doug more than me just going, we're a video production company. Come check us out. So, um, there's all different levels that you can do it. Most commercials or movies or um, let's, well, let's just stick it with commercials. Cause they're not usually sexy things when we think about it. Um, uh, or at least on the surface, but the commercials that have stuck with you over time. What's up? Sure. <laughs> yeah. No, but like, okay. Uh, let's, that's, that's a bad example, but that's it's the not, first well, no, it's, but I can even probably break that down into, uh, the science of it. Right. Because there was a uniqueness to it. There was a, uh, there was a, a conflict in what the hell was going on, yep. right? And uh, and uh, or even like there's more people on the phone. What what is sometimes uh, weirdness works really well because it's just what is this about? Like if we can engage them through emotion, like a really powerful story or something that is quirky and weird, like Skittles commercials do great because they stand it out they break through oh, the those are some bizarre yeah. commercials yeah. they are and the conflict in that is just like what the hell is this and you it's got your attention but you know um and there's there's also a lot of science in just how the unique stands out and all that kind of stuff which i'm not an expert in nor nor am i would i call myself an expert in this stuff but um anyway so it's the ones that moved you it's the ones that made you laugh it's the ones that made you cry it's the ones that were powerful or that they reached a story that you tell yourself there's a um, you know, whether it's something to do with Star Wars or it's, you know, like the things that you just love, 
um, or the the things that move you. So I and I you know I can go through tons of examples. Go to my blog and there's a few that will uh, cover that. <laughs> That's where sure. this all came from because that one blog you posted while while on our lovely COVID break yeah. um, was about conflict, and right. I didn't oh, right, realize right, right. how much conflict does drive my movie like, i'm not a big cartoon guy i'm not a big comedy guy like I, I i like my quirky dark dramedies yeah but i i i'm i'm you know stepbrothers it's funny but i'm not gonna throw like i've we've got robocop on, on the background right now right like that's where i go <laughs> because there's tons of conflict in it so yeah. i as soon as you you posted that i was like i now i i have a little bit more of an in-depth idea of why i like what i like I might be showing my kind of lack of real film professional knowledge, but I'd like to say aside from maybe art house films, there is always a level of conflict in a movie, even in comedy, of course, right? Yeah, sure. There is a desire that, uh, uh, and, and someone has to change over the course of it, right? So like if, if uh, they were Step trying Brothers, to get boats and hose. Yeah, yeah. But the stepbrothers, <laughs> the conflict very, you know, in that first 25% is addressed. They now have to figure out how they're going to live together. Exactly. And it right? doesn't have to be like, a 10 out of 10 level of conflict. No, there just has to be some push and pull, you just, right? You just need to want to know what happens. I mean, we've all seen movies that are historical and we actually know the outcome, but you want to know, you know, Titanic's a great example. You know, you want to know it's more of the story of two people rather than the story of the Titanic. It's just wrapped around the Titanic experience. But you know, if they're, uh, you want to know, even when you can predict, predict the ending of something, because we all know that probably yeah. 90% of Hollywood movies end and follow a, a similar arc and you can predict they follow them, the algorithm. If there's good conflict and good, you know, well, and good storytelling in there, you kind of want to go, I wonder how do they get to that? And yeah. the journey is just as important. Well, in yes. fact, some people would argue that people are disappointed when it doesn't end the way that they yeah. thought it was going to. Yeah, I hate when there's not an epilogue, and that's, <laughs> and that's, uh, that's. Uh, I'm sure that annoys a lot of people because you got to, you know, one year later. Yeah, <laughs> no, I wrap need it up for me. Come yeah, on, yeah. well, Close it's sort me out. it's sort of the, uh, I mean, not film, but the the Game of Thrones dilemma where I heard I, I have somebody that I know that's going through it for the first time right now, and yeah. they're regularly like, well, they took the star of the show and they killed them off. They can't do that. And they yeah. do it repeatedly. Yeah. I mean, that's not a formula that, that Hollywood uses very much. Well, because they never did uh, a movie that lasted for uh, basically, <laughs> what, eight seasons. Yeah, yeah that's, um, they broke the mold there. And, they, and, and you were able to tell multi, you know, just multiple movies and then shock people by, you know, throwing. Or I think, you know, they weren't the first ones to do that. But I think that um, definitely through the 90s, uh, you know, like there was just no main character was killed off. Right. And mm -hmm. then I think like I think 24 in my mind was one of the first ones to really start doing that. Like no character was safe. And uh, and they went, oh, that works as well, because there's drama in it. Now you don't know who's going to live or die. And there's conflict yeah, in that. Totally. I agree. I, I remember there was some movie. Uh, it was like some plain movie. I can't remember it, but it had a big, huge name actor in it that died in like the first 10 minutes. It was a, it was a movie about a plane or it was, was it, yeah, was it was something about, it was, it was sort of like your passenger 57 or some sort of thing like that. But I remember it had some huge name in it and then they wiped them out in the first 10 minutes. And my, oh. my knowledge of it was that, well, they not in a, real life. You there, just, yeah, met, like, yeah, but they yeah. were supposed to be in the movie for a lot longer. Yes, I, uh, uh and it was one of the first times I, I was anticipating seeing this person in the movie and they died in like the opening scene. Yeah. And you're like, say what? It is. It, 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 and it's, it, it's, it's, it's a twofer, right? You're like, okay, where the, it, it's, it's the hook because now where the fuck is this going? Yeah. And two, it, it, it it it's it's a new model right mm -hmm. so you're in, you're interested for i think two reasons but yeah that that is a good point like with the um that Stephen King movie that i always forget the name of the mist there we go in the end 
when when the daughter or the the wife and the uh, the the his his love interest and his son die. Yeah, that's not what you expect. Oh right? yeah, and there's. I mean, Jim Jarmusch is a really good example of doing things where n- that don't n- really go anywhere, and they're kind of like anti-arcs. And and, uh, and again, it's not saying that there's the only one way to do it, um, and there's uh, a lot of op- opportunity to do things to be mold breakers, to be uh, the antithesis of the, the stereotypical kind of structure. But for the most part, our brains tend to work. Um, you need a beginning, middle, and end. Uh, you usually need a character uh, or an antagonist that ha- changes throughout in some way. You know, those things, uh, not that they're the only way to entertain, but they're one of the best guaranteed methods of entertaining or engaging. Can you use some of what you're talking about? Like, or do you use some of what you're talking about with the movies you make for some of your clients? Like, I mean, yeah. not on such a grand scale, but like, are all of these things maybe a little bit more minute yeah. in, so in these ways? I tried, I tried not to bring in like real filmmaking into when I'm usually trying to pitch a client or when I'm trying to get them kind of on board. Cause you know, the first like usual few conversations we have with a new client that we haven't worked with before is really client education. Oh, I think we're tiptoeing into the process. Ooh. We, we are a little <laughs> bit. Yeah. yeah. You guys, I'm just, I'm just following the trail. Eh? I'm, just like, <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that. I'd like to I'm talk about this. Bread like, more, more bread, more bread comes. <laughs> if anyone knows me, I like my bread. Um, just before we go on, I yeah. just wanted to say, it seems as the sort of the layman here, I'm playing the part of the uh, audience, yeah. uh, that you take some, some styles and some themes that in long form storytelling in, in motion picture and have, have sort of brought it to the, the shorter, like things that in the essence, maybe before we're just providing information to somebody. Now you've turned them into their own stories. Yeah, I mean, I'm by no means am I. I would I say that like this is something that's brand new, uh, or that like you know they haven't been doing this for for decades in some sort of form. Um, I think that uh, uh, you know I think that a lot of people in film go into commercials or, or corporate and and vice versa. Uh, so I think at the core of filmmaking, there are some essentials that have never really changed. How you, what you take from that, um, and what inspires you is 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 I think unique to every person and people, you know, there's no one in, you know, commercial film who hasn't been, uh, who hasn't been inspired by regular film. Right. So there's, there's no way that you couldn't be inspired by that. And I think the idea, like the, the neat thing about the story structure that we use, uh, you know, we, the, uh, Muse calls it the six essential plot points. I call it the engagement arc. Again, it's rooted in, you know, centuries of traditional storytelling so you know it i wouldn't i wouldn't go ahead and say like yes we've created a new formula um it's actually a very <laughs> old formula and and i'm sure you know it it, it gets used uh, uh i'm not trying to say that we've recreated or, or really restructured anything so but is but is any like what well, just to kind of trailer what mark said is i don't think anybody else and i don't see a lot of this stuff so again layman over here too but i do see your what I do see the motion picture stuff in what you're making. Like, oh, sure. Your prime example, your new Defrain ad. Right. <laughs> like, absolutely hilarious. Oh, that's a, that's a alarm of some <gasps> sorts. Yeah, I know. Podcast oh faux pas. Oh, my. Yeah, cell phones go. We, fuck that shit. We play it fast and loose here, don't yeah, we? Yeah, we do. Yeah, nothing nothing too close to the chest. But um, <laughs> I, can, I can see a quality and a style just in a shorter form. So I think what Mark is saying mm-hmm. is that you're do, you, you haven't invented something, but you're bringing something from the big screen and then putting it into an industry that, you know, it may have not been a, as commonplace to do. Would that be fair yeah, to say? Yeah, again, like I would, uh, you know, 
kind of keeping those and, and I, I very much appreciate that. I would think that there are uh, and I'm not I don't think I've even been self-deprecating. There are uh, thousands of spots done at very, very high film quality levels that I only aspire to get to. Doing something like the Dufresne one is one of the first steps into a film like quality that, you know, is tough in, in, a, in the in Winnipeg market to do those ones. There's only a handful that really get done in, uh, in a year. Um, where the Toronto and Vancouver markets and and I mean there are just some uh, commercial directors and um, and commercial companies production companies that do just such amazing work um, and they are there are more than you would think it's pretty amazing that uh, you know again I, I'd say I was late to the party rather than uh, than uh, early and uh, it's just it's a privilege to be in any type of party like that though but um, yeah it's uh I mean, again, everyone just leans from their inspirations, from both professional learning and then from the things that they like, and then they make it their own little kind of mix. Put it in a cocktail shaker and off you go. Back to your process with clients. Um, And and this is something I wanted to ask you. Uh, As working in sales, I don't deal with it this much because my my day job is transactional-based, right? Where you find yourself in a loop. I would imagine, right, where you want to start and finish everything and you've got steps through it. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. But um, the client has one idea. Mm-hmm. You as a creative have another. So your process to get to that, is there is there a lot of back and forth? Like how... How and you have such a short window too. Like you're making <laughs> you're you're making a, a short story as opposed to you've got six months to a year to make a film, right. right? So I can only imagine like what what have you kind of figured out to make that go as smooth as possible? Yeah, um, you know every every relationship is a little bit different. I'll tell you a good example of one that happened. I think last year, year and a half ago, the Alzheimer's Society of Manitoba came uh, came to us uh, Rebecca has been a friend of ours since uh, a friend of mine since um, fr- since college I've been to their gala it's a fucking unbelievable oh it's so time. cool right it's yeah, so much they fun. do such a great job uh, yeah. their themes are amazing uh, I'm really sorry that it won't be happening this year but uh, <sighs> yeah, I was uh... just talking to someone about uh, you know what they're gonna try and plan um, and um, but uh, so they came to us with a really common need they said hey we need a video uh, we need it to promote the Alzheimer's Society and we think it should have these things in it uh, and you go, okay. Um, and so in, the, in their case, they're like, we want to interview a couple of patients, maybe some family members, a couple of staff members, show the facility, maybe go to someone's home. And it needs to be like, you know, three minutes. And you're like, okay, well, first of all, that's a lot. Uh, and, and second of all, uh, sure, that sounds like a great idea on paper. Why wouldn't you want to have all those things? And it's a really common trope to do so to try and jam pack as much in there. Like, let's get the CEO talking. Let's get, let's get our clients talking. Let's, let's get, uh, those who have been, um, you know, impacted by us. And let's just, the more people talking, the better. And actually our brains have a really tough time following any of that or engaging with that. It's really kind of like a highlight reel. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and when we're trying to understand what an organization does, we're going to have a more effective time following a single story than trying to follow multiple stories. Um, especially in a short amount of time. You can follow multiple stories when you have Game of Thrones. You can follow multiple stories when you have an hour and a half or two hours on a film. Um, so the way I start is I, I try to avoid, obviously, just going like, you're wrong, <laughs> and, here, and here's why. But all you start to do is you, you always just... You try to avoid. You try, you try <laughs> as much as possible. Sometimes I get a little bold. No. Uh, all, all you do is actually, because I don't know yet either, is they come to me with this need, and I actually don't know what they need. I shouldn't know what they need because they know themselves way better than I do. So I just start asking questions. And we're usually sitting just at a boardroom table or you know, now on Zoom, and I just go, okay, well, what is the goal? What do you need this video to do for you? And they go, well, 
we need people to understand while the Alzheimer's Society uh, should be contacted earlier in someone's uh, dementia or Alzheimer's progression so that we can help earlier because it's really, really hard uh, for families. Okay, great. Okay, so who's your audience? You know, who are we trying to talk to? Uh, another common trope is to say, well, we're trying to talk to everybody. We, have, we want this to talk to our, um, our, 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 our staff, our, our clients, our customers, or the general public. Sometimes we also wanted to talk to uh, the government because we need funds and stuff like that. And you go, okay, well, that's a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, they all, you know, if I've done some kind of pre-teaching on, like, our process and, and what we believe in, which is, you know, one video really can, you can only move one group of people to action at a time, uh, aside, aside from if they have a lot of commonalities. But if the, the government is looking possibly at something very different in an organization than the general public is, then this, uh, then maybe their staff is. And it doesn't mean that if you do a video that's geared to one audience that you ignore the others, but you mm-hmm. want to make sure it's really geared to that one because you're going to actually really hone in your way of how are we going to move that group to action. Uh, and so in this case, it was, well, we know what, that we need to get donations. Or sorry, we, we, need, we know we need donations, but we really want to move families mm-hmm. because it, that actually was the goal in this case. It's like, well, we need families to understand, um, to contact us earlier. And so we go, okay, well, within those families, what do you think is going to move them to that action? Is it you talking about your facility, showing the room, showing the people, people saying it's great? Um, or do you think that, you know, maybe if we told the story – of one person who has had that struggle before with her family and, and with, you know, and, and seeing how they um, uh, progress through it, that that might work a little bit better. And again, I had, you know, a presentation or, or some science to kind of back that up and process where um, there's some really interesting um, uh, psychological studies that show that um, if they, they measured engagement and not for profits, very easy in this case because usually the goal is donations mm-hmm. and they go so okay we're going to tell a story about a seven-year-old african starving girl okay and then there was another controlled group we're going to tell a, th- uh, um, a story of 30 million starving africans mm. and then the other controlled group is we're going to tell a story about a seven-year-old and the 30 million so you can probably see where i'm going that you know that there was more engagement level with the seven-year-old than the 30 million there's actually more engagement with the seven-year-old than the 30 million and the seven-year-old. You would think that, oh, let's just join it all together. Let's talk, yeah, about, yeah. let's talk about the story and then add all the numbers in there. It's hard for us to connect with that. And when you really keep it focused on a story, that's what we connect to. There's, uh, we have narrative transportation towards that. We feel for that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what our goal was in this video. And so that actually took a lot of time. That took, you know, that took usually a f- about... You had to get them on board, then you had to get the board on board, and then you had to get like you know, and you had to get them comfortable with going really against what they would think and let a lot of people. They think. walked in with an idea. In well, the, yeah, yeah, or sometimes they go, well, what if we told three stories? What if we kind of like went one minute and then another minute and then another minute? And I went, well, okay. As I'm just starting to get to understand the conflict and the problem that this one person is having, and then we just flip over to somebody else and start learning their story. Yeah, you, How am yeah. I going, you know, psychologically, I'm not going to get that engaged in it. It's going to be tougher for me to feel that resolution at the end. Uh, and so we, uh, and you know, it took a lot of work cause we don't want to just go with the first story that we know. So we asked them to find us a handful of families. We pre-interviewed a handful of families, um, very sensitively cause we're talking about usually family members who have either passed or, uh, who do have, um, uh, Alzheimer's or dementia. Yeah. And by the way, we narrowed it down to the uh, the uh, the people that we wanted to tell a story from the perspective of was a, a child or like, you know, someone 
uh, who was uh, whose parent was suffering. Yeah. Um, rather than um, that'll really resonate with somebody. Because well, it's the most common denominator. We all have parents, so we can uh, all feel rather than a spouse where maybe yeah. not everyone's been married. Um, and so we knew that, you know, uh, for engagement that we would have the best chance for everyone to go. Yes, I could feel like what that would be like for my dad or my mom uh, or, or, you know, someone, uh, some a parental figure. Um, anyway, so we we got down to the story of Carrie, uh, Carrie's story about her dad, Terry, and just learned about the idea of what it's like to her dad was her hero. And um, she now had to come to terms with her hero needing her help and him becoming a person that didn't recognize her anymore. Mm. And now she has to mourn the loss of someone who's still alive. And you hear that story and then how her and her sisters and her mom involving the ALS or sorry, ALS, sorry, uh, MS, sorry, too many societies we work with. <laughs> too many acronyms. <laughs> the Alzheimer's <buddy>. Society. <laughs> We've worked with all three. Um, the Alzheimer's Society, uh, getting them involved and how they helped on that already difficult process. Because when a family is alone, um, they don't understand how to ha- necessarily handle someone with dementia. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm going through it right now, actually, myself and uh, with uh, with our with our father. And we've already luckily because I already kind of knew about this. Um, we're already engaging them and, and being able to have really good conversation and, and how to. I'm sorry to hear that, man. Yeah, That's no. And I, I probably shouldn't be making it public, but I mean, it is. It is it is uh, something I don't I don't feel I'm exploiting it either. Um, and uh, and so it's very nice that you think that our our podcast is counts as public. This yes. isn't going to be on the news. This yeah. isn't this isn't on the seven o'clock news. Then? No, we promise our 12 listeners. No, I called them. They, they guys, called back. You guys don't start a chain here. Um, but anyway, so um, and that was the idea and that someone would watch this would understand uh, what that might be like and they would know to get the help when they needed it earlier and they can use this now as a tool for people to understand why it's important when they did actually launch it um before they put any paid advertising uh towards it they actually had put it online and they had five thousand organic views in a day which is actually pretty i would say is pretty impressive um for for a uh, for a localized uh video and um where i think the video that they would have originally wanted you know when we see the those kind of more generic ones go out. You get a hundred, couple hundred views, and and it got picked up then by ten other, ten plus other uh, Alzheimer's Society chapters, including the uh, Society of uh, Canada, and so they wow, started to awesome. repurpose it and use it uh, for their own. Uh, so we felt that it had uh, just the level of impact that they were able to have and how happy they were with that versus um, the original first idea. Um, it's worth the effort to go to that to those lengths, and we, that's the that's. That's a good example of our process. Just for, you explaining for storytelling. It. Yeah. I, I already connect. Like, <laughs> you know, not even seeing the video, just the way that yeah. you described it, I can see connecting to it so much oh, yeah. so much better, right? Yeah, and, and the, what you explain about how minds can handle one story at a time versus multiple stories. I mean, yeah, like you, you, you don't want to spend, you, you want 100% of my attention. You want 100% yeah. of my emotion. You want 100% of whatever I can donate. So breaking it into these three different stories, it's, it scatters it, right? Mm-hmm. Where, where frantic is not okay, I guess, when you're wanting to yeah, connect and, with your and audience. Yeah, and I mean, again, like it's not saying that other things don't work. And I've seen like, you know, thank you videos where it's a bunch of people saying thank you and stuff like that. <laughs> I'm not saying that uh, there's no other way to do it. I'm just saying that, you know, when you when you isolate the goal and the audience, um, you're going to have a way better chance with something that's engaging, whether it's unique or emotional or funny, mm-hmm. um, and that there's a structure to it. 
Um, the other thing that this really helps is when we build that structure, often when we're dealing with clients, you know, they're not the only decision maker uh, that has to deal with it and not for profits, especially have boards of directors. When we can plan it out, just like building a blueprint before um, uh, building a house, you can plan this out so that you stay in focus with the with the with the message and the the things that go in there when so when someone else goes like what if we added this let's add this let's add this and we go what's the goal what's our storyline if if it doesn't fit then we can maybe put that in something else because the other problem we used to have all the time was just like you start with this really great idea and then everyone gets their hands in it <laughs> yeah. and then they're like let's add our core values and let's make sure we add this and you got this five minute piece that they're patting themselves on the back on this is awesome and nobody is watching when really you should have probably made three separate films hundred percent three separate yeah so like you know part of exactly because there is actually a sales funnel in 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 everything in in the sales process very rarely is there one point in that uh you know one one uh point of contact in that and it starts at brand awareness which is very emotional and it gets to consideration where you're starting to go like okay now i need i need to back up that uh emotion with some logic and then it gets to the granular kind of um uh uh, conversion where you might be looking, you know, really just going like, I need to go spec for spec against this, but it starts emotional. Every decision you make is an emotional one and you follow it up with logic. And I mean, every single decision. Uh, I love that you're explaining this because I was a fly on a wall of you having this very discussion with a small business owner recently. And now I can apply it to how you were speaking to her yeah. about her product and how you wanted to get people emotionally connected to it and where that connection was. And it's kind of neat yeah. to actually, well, it's just the idea of that uh, we actually think that we're far more logical than we are, right? And <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, I will raise my hand. <laughs> and we actually, yeah. you guys have, we're all wearing shorts today. We yep. actually made that as an emotional decision. We did not actually weigh out all the pros and cons to shorts. We did not actually, we might have looked at the temperature, but you just go, I feel like shorts today. Or the, <laughs> the food that you had for lunch. There's uh, some really interesting science, of, again, of uh, people who have been, uh, or I don't know, I said again, I haven't said it before uh, today. Um, Sorry, now I'm in my own head. I've said it lots before. I haven't said it on this <laughs> show. Take us with you, buddy. I'm Woo! good to be there. Here we go. We're anyway. going on the journey with you. People have suffered um, uh, accident, accidents before where uh, brain trauma, where they actually have lost their ability to feel emotion. And the first few times this happened, um, they thought that these people would just be very different and that they could function normally. But they actually found out that they couldn't function at all. Because, again, the decisions of whether you're wearing shorts or pants, hammer turkey, all these were emotional decisions, and they couldn't bring themselves to make a decision. They either didn't have the information or they spent too much time trying to figure out the information. Wow. You have to go on an emotional impulse first. If I see a car drive by that uh, is like, I'm like, that is my car. That is something that I need to be in. It looks go awesome. It fits into the story I tell myself. I am a, I'm a, I don't know, I'm a Mercedes guy. I'm a Land Rover guy. Or even I'm a Civic guy, whatever. And... Um, uh, not to knock civics, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, but uh, then you have to go, okay, well, hold on a second. Like, I want to, can I afford it? Can I sell my car? Does it fit my family? Does it have all-wheel drive because I live in Winnipeg? Then you're going to go try it out. Then you're going to really start looking at the, like, what am I getting? So, like, it always starts in Can I afford yeah. this? Does it fit in the garage? Yeah. But the emotion the white, yeah, the emotion yeah. points yeah. you in the yeah. direction. Yeah. So, in a video, people are actually often hoping to do all of that. And uh, and or at least when, you know, often people come to us with that request to actually go, we want to talk about the story, but we also want to talk about the services and the granular and how many people and our, our history and all this stuff. And they feel that, you know, it lives on this island. It's the only piece that anyone needs to encounter. And it's just it's too ambitious for anyone to do so. Most organizations cannot pack into two minutes uh, everything from their brand value to every single little detail about them. 
So videos tend to be, uh, you know, and, and, and whether you're making them all with a video company or getting a video company to make the big ones, you're making the small ones, a lot of content marketing, of course, and vlogs and podcasts and all that kind of stuff. That's all part of it as well. Um, but yeah, one video does not fit all sizes or all requests. And usually if you're trying to do any, um, if you're trying to do any kind of large scale video production, you should be considering a couple or at least having a, uh, a, a, a client journey that you're following and knowing where video belongs in that. Mm-hmm. So we do a lot of animated explainers. Often they're not necessarily trying to actually get you to understand who the organization in general is. You already know who they are. You've understood their kind of why, or maybe you feel like this sounds like a cool, cool company, but how does it work? And then you go into say an animated explainer where you're getting a little more into information. We're still trying to engage and delight and entertain. We've seen really boring explainer videos or where oh, we yeah. do this and without these, we also have these three services. If I can make that fun and engaging and fit, still fit in the brand, but maybe there's, you know, there's a uh, uh, metaphor or iconography and all these things that we can use to help that uh, communicate and, and delight at the same time. Then How does a do bill that. become a law? <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a great <laughs> example. That's yeah. like one of the first explainers, probably. That was so long ago. That's a great example of of uh, of one of, of of an explainer video. Absolutely, I, I feel the way the world is yeah. going. Explainer videos are going to be on the fucking rise <laughs> because our yeah. attention spans are so short now. Yeah. that if you want to know, like, if a company, if a brand, if anything, right, it's that two minute explainer video or thirty second explainer video, whatever it is. Yeah, that's that's going to be like that's all you need. You know, because I think of the little cuts in like the big short. Yes. Where they did the little asides, yes. right? Yes. Those yeah. are listen those to Margot Robbie yeah. explain this. <laughs> yeah. That's a great example. That's another yeah, like those are those are explainer videos. And the beauty about explainer videos, especially when if a budget's a concern or timing is a concern, is that I would say you're limited only by your imagination and a little bit by budget, but you're limited by your imagination and animation. If I need to get a big group of people together, if I need to do a, a, a literally a shot of someone going to the moon or I need to get a restaurant, you know, like to do that in real life uh, takes obviously a lot of either uh, <laughs> wrangling of people, locations, uh, sets, uh, and all that kind of stuff. You can do that all, you know, from a computer now, and so we can we can explain a process. We we did one for Pernod Ricard that explains how an API works, which is obviously, you know, it's kind of a pretty boring subject matter. Which, you know, I still can't even really explain it without using the the metaphor. But what is an API for people who don't know? Well, API basically is the <laughs> the language that goes between a customer and a website and uh, any you know form requests. Or I'm, I'm probably hacking it to to bits. Sure. But re- how about rather than I explain it that way, I say that it's kind of like if you go to a restaurant and you ask your server for food. Well, your server is the API. The food, uh, the the chef is making the food and then sending it back to you. And that's what an API does. Uh, when you request something online, like a form or something like that, or, or you need to fill something out and it comes back to you, you know, drop down menus and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Okay. As far as I understand, <laughs> but that's like, that's a, that's a good example for those who needed to understand that, which are people who are actually working in that industry. Um, using metaphor is a really great way to explain that. I love metaphor. I love metaphor. Yeah. I, I bring metaphor to work every day. Like everything I do in sales, I have taken from, from working in hospitality yeah. and, and oh, I mean, yeah. the two are very married in, in a lot of ways, but I'll be at work and we'll be going through a process and they're like, well, we need to do this, this and this. And I'm like, well, that's the back of the house and this is the front of the house and I'm the server and they're the cook and we get it. And then I'm like, okay, I get what I'm trying yeah. to explain. You get what I'm trying to get at analogies, yeah. analogies and metaphors are, I use uh, my favorite analogy for work is, is because 
because video is kind of intangible uh and so people sometimes have a tough time kind of seeing the value or understanding the process is like well you just make it right you just like you know 30 second <laughs> commercial like you we just tell you what we want and you make it um and 30, i 30 seconds 30 seconds to shoot yeah <laughs> some people have honestly thought like how long does it take to shoot a 30 second spot and uh and so you know a common thing is people go like well how much does a video cost i go how much does a house cost so using a house is my favorite because the the analogy works almost all the way through i was saying like using a uh, blueprint before like you need to plan out your blueprint to make sure you have the proper structure yep. you need to make sure that proper structure actually does what it needs to do you want to make sure you're building a house not a hospital if you need a hospital then we need to be <laughs> planning for a hospital and then you want to make sure you plan that all up front because in, and this is when we start talking about pricing um if you decide to add a wing or you decide to add a room or a, a floor halfway through well we need to go back because it's not just as easy as adding that so you can't just put the deck on the side of the house you yeah. need to put the footing in that's you a need good to analogy yeah. Yeah. yeah so not to talk about uh you know not to talk about like work orders or, or or work changes but um but yeah so you know using so we we use analogies all the time in in our animation it just really helps explain something as long as you're not being too um condescending although sometimes you need to be so it, yeah no i get it yeah you, you, some, you sometimes need to be a little rough. people have a problem with intangible things taking time and costing money i find because mm. i do a lot of work in intangible things with computers and things like that and, yeah and it's it's different when it's like okay i would like a 12 foot by 12 foot deck built onto the outside of my house i'm going to get a thing yes. it's going to take you x amount of time i know if i want to put a screen room on top of that deck it's going to take that much more material and that much more time and i'm going to pay for that yeah. i don't expect you to put it on and not charge me anything yeah whereas when it's an intangible intangible Suddenly it's, well, you just sat in front of a computer and did that. Yes, but. <laughs> but yeah. let me tell you what I did on that computer and why it looks so good and what it explains and how it tells the story. Yeah. And like, it still takes a lot of time. Yeah. A anyone in, in any kind of uh, digital form or, or, or artistic form, I mean, gets that all the time, right? And it's because you don't necessarily have a physical product in hand after that you feel that there's not expenses and that it's tougher to sometimes value your, your time and experience as that the equivalent of the uh you know the wood for a deck right mm -hmm. um and and the time that goes into it so yeah no it's uh it, that's always a fun one um, along so, that line is it tricky to value your your I, it, the work you do anyone going into uh freelance for instance it's one of the hardest things is how to price yourself uh we continuously are having to everything from uh the value of, of the time that we spent here and what we think we're worth uh, and for the work that we want uh, to stay competitive with the new industry, it's just changing all the time. There's never been more people with cameras. There's never been more video production companies of all sizes, uh, probably in all cities. Uh, and so you need to make sure that you're doing uh, enough work uh, or getting the, the work that you want, but also keeping the lights on. Um, and that can be really tricky sometimes mm -hmm. in a landlocked island like Winnipeg. Uh, we uh, we have some amazing clients, but, you know, it's definitely not being in Toronto where you have much bigger budgets to deal with often, but also far much more co competition as well. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's it's, it's it, it can be uh, it can be a grind for sure. And mm. I'm, I'm I'm leading biz biz dev for the company. So it's I, I, I feel it. <laughs> Do you get people coming to you and saying things like, well, my. 15 year old can make a TikTok video oh, yeah. <laughs> for free. Why, oh, why, why? There's this web based program out there that does it all. Why can't, why can't you use that all you know? the time? No. So, I mean, I, uh, there is some pretty easy answers to that. And you, you go like, well, okay. So, uh, if it's for a company and maybe this is often, it's something that is very forward facing. It's often something that is the first thing that they see. 
uh, and you, you start talking about the kind of the value proposition with them. You go, what is it worth for them to see something uh, that's been done by a f- professional um, and uh, that has taken the time to build it right and make sure that it's right? And what is it worth when it's done wrong? And uh, and when you save the sometimes thousands or even more or you got someone to do it for 500 bucks, more often than not, it is uh, a far bigger headache and uh, waste of money. Uh, so, you know, so if we say like, hey, something costs you $10,000 and here's why, here's all the time we got to put into it. And they go, I want to do it for two. And I found someone to do it for two. Best of luck to you. There, <laughs> there is, there's no, I'm not saying it won't work, but you take on far more risk to, to uh, imagine that it won't. A good example was um, my, uh, my brother, actually. And this is, he never came to me, but uh, he lived in Toronto. He had an app that was going on. He was able to find a guy to shoot his commercial for $2,000. And I was like, wow. And I was like, what is he shooting on? And he showed me some of his work. I'm like, oh, it looks pretty good. And, you know, shooting on a, a black magic camera. Okay, well, I think you found yourself a good deal, but okay. Well, he shot, uh, he shot the footage, and then the guy got a job in Egypt and actually flew to Egypt. And at the time, uh, the internet was not really strong enough to upload uh, 400 gigs of information. Oh, God. And he sat waiting for almost six months to get it. And, uh, and we actually ended up finishing off the edit for him. Well, in the app world, if you're late to, to market on a Goodbye. new idea, um, and so you just take on so much more risk. And so there are definite benefits. I, th- I think I've written about the benefit between uh, freelance and, and, and kind of a larger uh, production companies. And there's definitely pros and cons to both. I'm not saying we're, we're the, uh, the only solution. But, you know, when someone when someone does go like, yeah, no, I've got a guy who can do it himself. Actually, for, for us, if that's, you know, after all the things we say and they go like, I don't see the value in, in, in what you do and I'm just going to go this way, it's actually a good good thing for both of us because if they don't see the value in what we do, then we don't really want to work with them. It's just a bad fit. And, um, that makes sense. Yeah, and so it's like, again, best of luck. I would be, you know, more often than not, it doesn't really turn out into anything great for them and they end up often having to come back anyway. And that's a value to you also is that... <laughs> yeah, you kind of, you know, I, I say sometimes you have to let them date the bad the bad boy or the, the bad relationship to yeah. then realize, you, you know, you might have been a good The stability solution. that you bring to them. Yeah. <laughs> but it's been, you know, it's been hard. You know, you, you don't, I never want to say no to anyone and there's ones where it's just not a good fit. Like, it's just like, you know, we, we try to be of a level that we know not everyone can't afford us and so I will always refer... You know, someone we have some kind of freelancers that we vetted that are really, really good, uh, that are friends of ours. And when you just need something, you're a small company. I get it. You just can't or there's not enough ROI to justify even like spending that kind of money. You don't have a strategy. Great. Well, here's use these guys and they'll help you out. Like, I'm never going to leave. Someone and then when you and, get to where you can call me. Sure. Yeah. yeah. If, if if so, like I just. You know, I, I don't want to put any bad will uh, ill will out uh, out there, leave anyone totally. screwed. And we're not the, the, we're not the solution for everyone. And uh, the last thing we want to do is force it for ourselves, make it bad for them or leave them hanging. And if I believe that they're, you know, they're a good they've got something good going and they're not going to be a jerk or a problem to some of the people that we have really good relationships with. And I'll, I'll send it on, uh, send it on over. What would be like the longest uh, form type of video work that you do? Longest form. I mean, mostly. Uh, well, I mean, we've done we we do uh, some um, training videos uh, that can be 20, 30 minutes long. Not the most exciting. It's usually a talking head. This or is how you flip a burger at Wendy's. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, it could be uh, it could be, uh, uh, you know, um, some actual very granular uh, website training walkthroughs where we're almost screen grabbing. Those ones we kind of do to keep the lights on uh, when possible. The the longer form, we, we've done educational videos. We're doing stuff for the Manitoba um, 
uh, First Nations Education Resource Center, uh, and we were doing kind of 10, 15 minute um, grade eight health uh, films that were teaching health uh, with an indigenous um, uh, structure to it. So oh, it, cool. inter- interviewed elders as well, and it really oh. uh, it, it told the story from uh, from from it, it really bridged kind of you know uh, Manitoba from education their with, with history and with their culture. And so you know those are a little bit longer. When we're trying to gra- it, it always depends on where your audience is and mm-hmm. and what again who is who is it who's your audience and what's going to drive them to action. What's the action you're trying to get? If education is part of it or learning is part of it, yeah, you have more. Uh, you have more time. Uh, if you're trying to get someone, the, the next from that would be our, our storytelling. So a lot of times people are nervous, like no one watches more than a minute or two. I'm like, we do all the time. We're sitting, <laughs> you know, you watch TV shows, or you watch movies. Um, we we can do some really good corporate storytelling in anywhere from like kind of three to seven minutes. Um, and as long as there's a good structure and a good story and it's put together well, then people will watch it. My favorite one and again, I don't have much. I'm not trying to refer to my blogs all the time, but these are the things I'm passionate about. Your show, buddy, is Eric and Petey, uh, and it's a six-minute video that has a well over a hundred million views. Oh wow! Um, wow! And uh, and it's because it's a great, amazing story, and it's helping promote the um, uh, Silicon Humane Society. It's really actually helping also humane societies and helping their um, initiative of mutual rescue, which is, you know, if you help a, a rescue animal, they will help you just as much. Um, it's and very true. Just a really great story, um, and what's beautiful about it is it doesn't promote the organization at all. It leaves, a, you know, a, a call to action at the end, or we call it a jab. Uh, you know, what is what is it you want to leave them with, and they can find out more information. That's the other problem, right? People try to go like, you know, pack it all in, pack it all in, pack, pack it, it all in. in, or even like, and I mean, we're guilty of it too, um, where you know you want to spend that last fifteen minutes on the pitch, right? And I we try to get it. It's like no, like if you keep it authentic, because I, I know that. Eric and Petey would not have the views that it does if the last 20 minutes were then talking about the organization. And yeah. you can have this experience, too, if you come to the Silicon Humane Society. Yeah. You can pick out your, you know, like, blah, blah, blah. You're like, oh, it's a commercial. There was <laughs> there was one last summer, and it was, I swear, I, I me and Shauna were sitting here, and I was like, this is a new Apple commercial. This is definitely a new. It was, is that a Spike Jones one? No. It was actually a commercial for Safeway. And eating around the table. Oh yeah! Do you remember? Do you remember that one? Yeah. It was, was it Safeway? It was some co-op or it was some grocery chain. It I, was uh, who? I know exactly what you're talking about. It was it wasn't wasn't Sobeys. It was a Canadian grocery chain. For yeah, sure. absolutely. But it had narration. It had this high like it was scrubbed and so clear and high def. And I was like, this is this is somebody who's got money to burn on a commercial. Great story great story it, it 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 resonated with me because i love having people over for dinner i love eating with other people yeah. so i instinctively was like i want to go shop at that store yeah and it and it didn't happen until the callback till your little jab at the end where like the logo showed up yeah and then i was like oh this isn't apple at all <laughs> and it hooked me right yeah. because there was there was a little short story there yeah, my um, my favorite is actually similar to that, which I use as an example. Where there was a, this was a while ago, and there was a commercial that basically uh, had this really nice poem and really nice piano music, and uh, it was saying like, "Kind of slow down, world. It's time to it's time to eat." And it showed um, kind of actually a, a a couple of different kind of quick stories that kind of showed like a story arc that connected them all, and it was. Uh, a woman eating uh, food after dinner on the phone. It was a family getting together and breaking bread and having food. It was a, a, a group of friends having a great time and eating dinner while they play games. Uh, and you're just like, oh, man, I need to 
I need to. I, I need to call my mom. I need to. <laughs> I need to go have dinner. I need, or I need to have a dinner party. Yeah. yeah right. And then you realize at the end it was just a commercial for uh, you know Maple Leaf Prime Chicken, <laughs> and uh, and I didn't realize for a while. Chicken like, soup for the soul, maybe. Well, I was just like, oh, that's a good commercial. That's a good spot. And then later on, as I kind of got into, I was like, realized, you know, thinking back, I'm like, why that? I'm like that was just a commercial about raw chicken. Like there is nothing emotionally appealing about raw nope. chicken, but we're not ever selling the product. We're selling the experience around it. What is it that comes from that? You know that that what that, comes from raw chicken? That service, good times. Yeah. <laughs> now, when you go to the grocery store, are you looking at the prime label, and is your brain You're, connecting back to that emotion? Absolutely, right. And it's, sometimes it's subconscious, and sometimes it's conscious, and and sometimes it will. Uh, you might now value that chicken more than the other ones there. And maybe you still have to look at other reasons. You know, you're not just going to buy it, you know, based on price, but the value has been added to I'm emotionally attached to the chicken, but now I need to make my logical decision. Yeah. Do I have enough money for this chicken or that chicken? Or, There's yeah, brand awareness too, right? So now you're just like, you might, you're like, well, I know Canadian Maple Leaf Prime. Yeah, yeah. And then who are these guys? Uh, yeah, I'm going to trust these guys more. And <laughs> yeah. I know it's manipulation in a certain way. People think that all advertising is. But everything we do is we manipulate, right? The way if I smile and look at you in a certain way, I'm trying to manipulate you to smile. You know, And I'm not even doing it without realizing it. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, conscious manipulation versus unconscious. And then yeah. like, where, where do your, where, what scruples do you have at the end yeah. of the day, right? We had so. this quick conversation the other day speaking of how emotion sells something. And we're at the liquor store and you're looking at a bottle of wine and you're like, oh, this looks good. Yeah. And you're like, how do I know what the if it's good wine? Like right? it's just it's always a gamble. Does the label bring out an emotion in me? Yeah. Do I connect to it? Yeah, yeah. nothing no, to I do with it. what's in the bottle. No, you you don't know until <laughs> it's an after the fact realization. I totally get. I was watching Psalm, the documentary Psalm, the other day, and they mm. were talking about that. That every bottle of wine, no matter the price is a gamble and that's what you're attracted to sure and if you can have a sommelier guide you through that your gamble becomes less of a problem and it becomes more of an experience so even in there yeah. the psalm is manipulating you to go so is in it, one yeah way, and then so is the sommelier and then so is, there's a, a um, there is a i think it's a seth godin book and it talks about all marketers are storytellers it used to be called all marketers are liars and he actually changed it um, and uh, it's actually crossed off like on the book. And he starts with a couple of examples of uh, the stories we tell ourselves and that people who are marketing really actually need to fit into the stories we already tell ourselves, not tell us a story that we need to uh, align with. Not what you um, think, but yeah. what I feel. Yeah. And so they actually covered like sommeliers and uh, who believe in these glasses that you have to drink out of a certain glass. For oh, yes. a better wine experience. Oh yes, and they actually blindfolded the the sommeliers <laughs> and and uh, and then had them tested between like regular like three dollar glasses and these like ninety dollar hundred dollars. Apparently, things. these glasses and, have imperfections in the crystal that yeah. help oxygenate the wine. And I've there heard was this bullshit before. It's all bullshit, and because they couldn't really tell, they couldn't tell the difference. The same is like um, apparently, and I'm not a car guy, but basically, what's under the hood of a VW. Uh, uh, um, Jetta and a Porsche is not highly different. Um, and uh, But the way that it's packaged, the value of one is seen as a much, much higher value uh, in cost. Uh, another good example is when you, uh, there's a beer, um, the way that it's shown in, I think it's Japan, and it's this beautiful bottle and it looks so good and they sell them for a hundred bucks a bottle. It is PBR. And, uh, <laughs> and so it is how you wrap it. It's the value you put on it and what someone's willing to pay for it. That's very true. But it's you're sold them on the emotion like you do. Yeah. 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 And so there's all different levels of it. We really try to get it at the authentic way. We really want to do it in a way that we're not trying to pull like, you know, magic tricks on people. Um, we feel that if we're getting people to understand the why of an organization 
and the emotional value that they bring towards somebody. Uh, and hopefully it's a noble one. We're not, you know, we're not trying to make something out of nothing. Um, you know, we, we want to make sure that, that we're telling that story in a better way so that they can break through the clutter, not be forgettable. Uh, or, for, uh, yeah. And, and that is a, that's a challenge. It can be very challenging, especially when you've got people who know, they think they know what they, they want to do. It makes you question making sure you know what you want to do. And we're always trying to continuously grow and learn. You have sort of cut you off. No. Yeah. Um, um you, you have, um, predominantly a Manitoba client list, I would imagine. Eh? Uh, yeah, for the most part, uh, especially for shooting live action, which is about half of what we do. Most of our clients come from Manitoba. We get to travel a lot, but usually it's for, you know, we do new, new flyer or national leasing and we're, we're shooting either clients of theirs in other places or they have other companies and, you know, new flyer has companies in, uh, in the States. Uh, we are doing actually, uh, we have secured some, some work uh, in the last little while um, through New York, and we, we landed a big job with uh, TikTok. We're not able to actually put it out yet <laughs> because it's it's in yeah. beta mode, and now actually with everything going on with TikTok, uh, I'm not yeah. sure if we ever will. But <laughs> um, but you know we've been able to start landing some larger clients outside of, of Manitoba. But I would say yeah, probably about 85 percent of them are are um, uh, through an, uh, a Canadian or sorry a Winnipeg connection or or based in in, in Manitoba. So in, in, in that, I can, you probably know where I'm headed with this. Um, Actually, I'm not. Oh, okay. Well, um, I will lay it out for you. It's been no. a long day. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we try, we try to do these on the weekends. So everybody's uh-huh. all bread-eyed and bushy-tailed, but uh, such is life. You are? Uh, try to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I, we, we wanted to start this series because with, with my connections through work and working in the film industry in Manitoba, mm-hmm. um, I call Manitoba a little Hollywood now. Yeah, because it really is starting to get on the map. I mean, it was in a Hollywood Reporter article yeah. about how we were the first to go back to set. Um, big movies have been shot here. Not not just Shall We Dance with Jennifer Lopez and Richard Gere, but like a lot, a lot of talent is coming here because there is a fucking boatload of talent in this province. Yeah, and the whole part of the series is to highlight not only what everybody does in their you know said profession, but working here as well. Yeah. So what is it about? Manitoba that Toronto and Vancouver and the big metro hubs don't have like why like technically speaking well not technically but literally you could have gone to Toronto you could have gone to Vancouver you could have gone to the big markets when mm-hmm. you and Dave started this um, but you stayed home I'm guessing that's family that's that's it's comfortable to start a business in this province because if it can work here you can probably make it work twice as good <laughs> anywhere else because we are a frugal province yeah. thank you Ukrainians Polacks and Russians I am all three um, but uh, so, so what is it about Manitoba that you enjoy? Work, like, just yeah, I mean, there's there's a there's a couple of things. So, like talking, you know, from the film side of it, I think Manitoba as a province has done a really good job in their tax credits to really attract uh, both uh, you know American and uh, European a little bit, and then uh, other Canadian uh, productions here. Um, and uh, they're so you know, Manitoba has been very hungry for it, and then they've made this a really appealing place. There's a lot of variance in um, the locations and the crew and the ability. In fact, the challenge now is keeping enough people or get, keeping the right amount of talent, um, getting the right amount of talent to actually uh, be on the crew side to make sure that we can facilitate all these large productions. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it, it's for, for me as a business owner, it's a great place to own a business. The quality of life here is uh and the balance that you can have the ability to drive to work the ability to afford a house 
um, as long as that might last, <laughs> not much longer. Um, <laughs> it has been really, really great. Um, you're pretty central to everything, even though you are on, to land, on a landlocked locked island. Um, and uh, there's a lot of really great industry in, in uh, Manitoba, everything from ag and um, farming and, uh, or sorry, that is the same thing, ag and manufacturing <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and uh, tourism and uh, even, you know, the financial We're a melting world. pot of a lot yeah. of different options. There's a lot of culture. There's a lot of, you know, really rife with story. Um, and that's not to say that other places aren't. But for us, it's worked quite well. Um, and uh, and so we've been really happy to sit here. I think we could go, you know, to. Uh, yes, I thought about that often, about trying to start up in Toronto or start a Toronto side. I was looking into it for for a while and you just kind of go, yeah, that feels like a ton of work to go through a ton of yeah. competition because there's tenfold uh, the types of organizations out there like this. And I think it's even more of a grind. Everybody I know that takes off to van or Toronto. I mean, you know, those they're great cities, but with a great city becomes, comes a bigger gamble. Yeah. I would say, and it's not to say that the gamble isn't as big here, but you are in, you're, you're in a, you're in a big lake with a lot of fish. Yeah. You gotta really try hard to stand. Out. And I mean, with everything that's happened, uh, the live, uh, or sorry, the, uh, the digital side of things, um, it makes it, makes us very appealing too. We can now be competitive with, uh, with American companies, especially from, uh, the point of view of animation. Uh, and so we can really, yeah, their dollar must go a long way. If you yeah, well we can promise, you know, we, if we want to sell the Canadian dollar, we can pr promise everyone a 30% discount <laughs> on what, you know, their competitions, uh, charging them. We've done, um, and we have been able to be competitive and profitable by doing so. And being able to talk to anyone around the world, we've made some really good friendships and connections, and that's actually where I'm spending a lot of focus on now is finding other organizations that we can kind of partner with um, that we could that, that could use our services, and so that could be live production, uh, you know, when they need something that doesn't necessarily need to be shot in New York, or um, we were able to actually bring uh, production back here uh, where there was some uh, Winnipeg or Manitoba companies that were using American companies, um, and uh, and so. Yeah, there's, you know, the, the digital reach we have now is really, really helpful for us as well. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Um, with, with working here in Manitoba, what was your, if you don't have an answer, that's fine because we got lots of questions here, but what was, <laughs> what was your first, like, true Manitoba moment with, with, with working with a client? Like, what's your most Manitoba? Oh, man. Because I've, I've, I've I, I can imagine that some people kind of want to stay away from being Manitoban and, and like, yes, we exist here, but they don't want to include the Prairie province. They don't want right. to, you know, like I remember the video you made for the pitch for Amazon yeah. to come here. Yeah. That was, like, <laughs> that was, it was hilarious. It was cute. It was fun. And that was incredibly Manitoban. Right. So do people like to include that in their stuff or do they kind of like to leave that at the wayside to, to stand out a little bit more? Um, well, I mean, there's a it's actually funny you mentioned a tourism project because I actually remember back in the day where, um, you know, when we were first starting out and I would see tourism videos from time to time on screens or on TV or something like that. And I just go, ah, one day, that'd be really cool if we got to do something like that. And there's actually a lot of those one days. And we got to we've done we've been working with Economic Development Winnipeg and Yes Winnipeg and Tourism Winnipeg for like six, six or seven years now. Uh, and doing things like that and doing, uh, you know, everything from kind of really promotional things to really um, educational or informational things as well. And so that's been obviously very Manitoba and very Winnipeg. Um, 
I'm trying to think of like, there's definitely been a lot of moments, you know, on the prairie, uh, we inter we've interviewed a lot of farmers in our time and that's a, uh, a lot of manufacturers in small towns and you really get to learn, uh, about so many different ways of life and people and industries and towns and you, you get to travel so much. We've been up North past the border. We've been down to the, you know, we've, we've been all over Manitoba and all over mid, mid, uh, you know, we've been all over Canada, actually. I think we've been to almost every province. Um, and, uh, and so you really get to just, you know, overall experience and meet other people, walk a day in their shoes. Um, and, uh, and that's really one of the coolest things because we're definitely not doing the same thing every day. Well, I'm going to look to you, Doug, this yeah. uh, year, <clears throat> seeing with all the changes that we have, where to spend my uh, winter travel dollars within <laughs> yes. uh, yes. tourism well, I, within our province. I, sh I should clarify, <laughs> we're, we do we do uh, uh, tours in Winnipeg. We don't do travel Manitoba. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that uh, that uh, there, uh, you know, Frank uh, Digital is a really great uh, organization. They've done those really really sexy ones, um, and uh, they work with uh, Travel Manitoba and McKim on those. So we. We, uh, I, I applaud them and their beautiful work as well. But uh, yeah, uh, we can help you on the the uh, the local stuff. Okay, which, <laughs> I can, I can which give you end the of number. town to head to? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can give you the number of uh, can, McKim to, to to call and. Uh, oh, perfect. He's gonna yeah. make Garden City look really sexy. That's that's. that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> which mall to visit? Yeah, exactly. Totally. Um, you, you mentioned Frank Digital. With with this, you say you've stepped back from the production side of it, and you're more in the business development mm -hmm. aspect of it. But like, what inspires you to do? Like, where where do you pull? Because every creative musician, artist, actor, what you have it, there is a launch pad for what keeps you going and and what you want to aspire to. So what what are like? Are there other filmmakers that inspire you? Are there other people in your industry that you really you know? clued in on that you're like i, I want to i want to yeah. produce that i think there's there's so much that does to the point that it's overwhelming really it's okay. actually really funny because i'm now you know in in the same way of you when you learn how to write music you then analyze all the music that you listen to and so whether i'm watching everything from you know beautiful movies and you know uh, uh to to comedies to documentaries uh to even tv commercials when you're watching a jets game and your friends are trying to skip through and i'm like hold on hold on i want to see this one um i'm i'm inspired by pretty much everything because it's everything and i don't mean to give a big bland answer but like there's something you can take away from everything why does that work why doesn't it work what is it that they did there uh, what is it uh, that they failed at there? And so I analyze everything and to the point where I get to points where I'm watching something on. I think there's things that I don't watch on Netflix just because I don't want to be bummed out, uh, bummed out by how good it is. <laughs> Do you know what Dude, I mean? No, I totally. There are movies that I don't want to watch until I'm in the right mood. And yeah. there's ones that I don't want to be so enamored by that. I'm I'm just broken for the rest of the week. And then from the biz dev side of it, I'm like, you know, now I'm just like, well, how who got that project and how did they get it? <laughs> and I'm just like, how much did that project cost? That's got to be like. What was the pitch? <laughs> that's got to be like a, a million dollar project because it is funny. We get a lot of the uh, in the same in the same way we've got you know the my my daughter or my my cousin can do it. Uh, we also get a lot of the hey, we want to do this. We have five thousand dollars and we want to do this. And you go look, that's a quarter million dollar commercial that you're showing me. How are you? <laughs> how are we supposed to? Yeah, just like do you know how much that. gear I have to rent just to make this happen? Like not not yeah. even what you have in your in your arsenal, but like what you'd probably have to call 
William the, F. White or somebody for that location costs more than your budget before, like, <laughs> before we even talk about union actors. Like, and and so and I and I get it. I don't mean to I don't mean to shit on anyone. Like you know, well, the, you don't you, know. You can only hold people to the expectations you give them. Yes. Uh, and so again, that's where a lot of client education comes in. But yeah, it's it's. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I can be inspired by everything. I get inspired by my competition. You know, I will I'll I'll, uh, I'll look at things that uh, you know competition slash friends. Like I look at things that Frank do and Handcraft does and Coel these guys uh, in, in Winnipeg and I'll look at their stuff and I go like oh, I really like how they do that and then I'll send that to the, the guys rather mm-hmm. than like look at this shit look at <laughs> why are they doing this and we're not doing this it's more of like I really like how they did that that's a really neat approach because it's just tools tools in the box right like yeah. when can you pull out a like oh it'd be really neat if we backlit this or it'd be really really cool if we uh, you know we're thinking of a project where we actually for a, for a tour of a facility that we do it kind of like a uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory tour, like coming through, and like, can we be creative? Like, we want to play in that world of what if? What if we did it this way? And so, uh, the more that you get inspired from seeing things done in other ways, I think the more that you can pull from it. Now, you're just a culmination of everyone else's work, anyways. Oh, 100%. I couldn't agree more. This is going to be a time I'm going to go ahead. I yes. should have a sip of this drink I haven't had yeah, yet. Yeah, sure. Definitely. This is going to be the really time smart. I'm going to insert uh, my story of the day. Uh, just because it's my podcast here, well, partially my podcast, so I'm gonna. It's a community. Um, it takes a family. It's funny buddy. that my uh, my previous acting career that I haven't really expelled too much in here, but what? I did one oh, yeah. one professional job um, thirty years ago, about okay, uh, just at a high school. But it's something that a, an organization like yours would have filmed, right? Um, I believe it was done by Lank Beach at that oh. time. You know, Barry Lank just passed away from oh, cancer like like a couple of weeks ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So it was at Lank Beach, and I did a uh, a promotional uh, inter-office motivational video right. for MTS yeah. to sell uh, pagers, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> the emergence yeah. of pagers Woo. that I acted in, where we told the story of the young salesman, and we they played off the analogy of... Uh, a boxer training and that's the young salesman training in his craft and then the first big fight that uh, was the, his first big client, you know, that he was trying to sell. And then when he made the sale, it was the big knockout. There's and, the arc. Right. right? There. Exactly. So, I, I mean, this is my only real experience, but it's it's funny that you kind of mentioned those things. Yeah. And I could see How from my personal together. experience. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. we did it with some pretty big name local actors at the time. Nice. And I know the guy that I knocked out was like the champion of River City Wrestling at the time or something. <laughs> and uh, Stan Lesk was in it, who I know is a big local actor. Right. Kind of Danny Vito ash kind of guy. Okay. Um, anyways, it was it was funny that you mentioned the whole uh, 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 union actor because mm. I remember I was like 17, 16. And they said, okay, so blah, 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 we're going to do this, audition it, you got the part, and uh, you're going to get like 250 an hour. And I'm like, I'm not even going to make minimum wage. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, no, like $250, $250 an hour. Yeah. I'm like, say what? Yeah. Fuck <laughs> me. Yeah, so that was my, my experience to how much it's probably cost to make something like that. Yeah. And, uh, and I mean, definitely in the, in the age of Internet where, um, you know, the, the unions like uh, uh, ACTRA have had. Well, there's really only one in, in Canada, which is ACTRA. And they've had to definitely start to figure out how um, where, you know, before when usually you were doing TV spots um, uh, or, or if they were internal videos, they had a far less larger audience. But if they were being used to market or sell sell. Uh, like the one that you would have been in, um, you know, that that they were 
you know, they're charging for, for lead actors. It was usually like, you know, 900 bucks a day or, uh, um, or for principals, sorry. And then if it was SOC seen on camera, there's like 800 and then backgrounds, you know, or more like 300 or 400. But, um, that's really, that's really tough. Cause uh, they would actually base it on how long that spot is playing. And then if it's p- plays longer than 13 weeks, you have to kind of pay more mm. royalties and stuff like that. Well, the internet doesn't really have a, a set timeline on, and, and often you're not really trying to, you're not, you're not doing hundred thousand dollar TV campaigns, uh, on just the spends alone. So you're maybe making a $10,000 spot. Well, you can't necessarily, uh, afford the, the actors that would actually burn out your budget. So they've, they've come along, they're, they're coming away and trying to figure out ways to kind of make that work because the problem is, is that actually when you're on the internet, technically you have exposure to as many people as possible. Yeah. And that's really yeah, hard that to measure because yeah. they measured it by markets. And so they've, they've had to really turn in the last five years on things, but um, yeah, you know, uh, in, in Winnipeg uh, or in Manitoba, um, you get what you pay for too. And so when we can use ACTRA, uh, we, we do because they, they, they hold on to the best talent. Uh, and, you know, again, these are talent who need to be paid properly. If everyone was just being paid by the way the pr- producer wanted to pay them, there's a lot of producers who just rip off uh, actors oh, just like the same Lord, way with yeah. musicians. So it's good that there is a union, but, you know, you got to make sure it works for everyone. Well, clearly they played the high-level talent when I was... What's yeah. What's well, but that's be- <laughs> the rule. The rule is is that anyone who's non-union, if it's on a union set, they have to be paid union rates. So uh, it's a it's a good win for uh, well the union because they get a chunk. <laughs> you had the talent anyway, Mark. So I just were, wish I could fun. find. You see, this was before the the age of the internet, and I don't have I a copy of it. And it I doesn't exist. Put that on the website. It's, it's amazing. It actually played at Advanced Electronics in their. Uh, in their oh, cell phone the pager department, oh, okay. in their in their little as a as a, as a in in office commercial, <laughs> in house commercial. That's awesome. What's yeah. it like um, auditioning for the stuff that you do? Because I mean, like every there, there's there's like I've realized that you can play in in media, and you don't have like everybody wants to get to the tippy top, right? Mm-hmm. They want to get to Hollywood. They want to have the big the big contract they want to be the big star but you can have a very comfortable fun interesting life not even getting you know you can be third string and there's nothing wrong with that so i'm just wondering is is there my ignorant self is there a uh do you go to the the pool that has some of the best talent or is there a specific pool that works in these videos and these kinds of markets because i would imagine that somebody who does these the what you do and then wants to be in a movie, are they are they so good that they can play in both worlds? Or is there are you auditioning a specific skill set or just any actor will do? Uh, I think I'm answering your question in the sense of like where do you find talent and how do you how do you uh, gauge it to what it? yeah. Well, so I mean it comes down to uh, for 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 us and on, on commercials it comes down to budget, right? So um, you know, sometimes you just uh, you just need uh, people. Um, sometimes you need, uh, so maybe you need just, uh, uh, models, um, and there's not really any acting components to it. Um, then, uh, you know, then sometimes you need people with the ability obviously to act. Um, what we use are, uh, casting agencies who have a good list of people. We have our own kind of list that we've accumulated over time, but you know, a casting agent will, will put together your requests and find the people for you. And then, okay, and so, then you go. So you are it. using a casting agency. Yeah, we, okay. we do when we can. We really, we really 
try to push that, um, especially with a director. Like, it's very hard for a director to direct if they can't pick the people that they're directing. And just because that they're good at one thing doesn't mean that they're good at another. Um, one of the biggest challenges, and we used to go through all the time, is like, oh, we'll just use our friends, or we'll use, especially with childhood actors. Oh my god, like you know, <laughs> you need professional child actors if it's if the piece relies on it because bringing your buddy's nephew uh, <laughs> who's maybe gonna play for twenty minutes and then uh, stamp his feet demanding McDonald's before he does anything else is not gonna fly when you have thousands of dollars worth of production going on. Time is money, man. Yeah. 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 So it's um, and the other problem, too, is that, you know, a a piece, whether it's a a film or a commercial, will not be translated well if it's not acted properly. So, you know, you want to save money on your actors and spend money on everything else. You're, again, just taking risk uh, in uh, not selling the piece. You know, the idea that especially when they're like, well, there's no dialogue. Oh, even harder. There's now it's nonverbal cues that need to happen to tell a story, a certain look, a facial expression, facial yeah, expression. Yeah. You don't just, you know, you, yeah. it's not that you can't find actors uh, or, or untrained actors to do to not to do that. But it's tough. You're just taking way more risk to do it. So when we can then get to the level of using uh, people who come at a higher cost, we want to maybe buy out their rights, you know, and you're spending maybe 500 to 1000 bucks per person. Um, and then when you get to ACTRA, sometimes we work with unions or there's uh, just times where you know you're p- pulling from the best pool, but you know there's a bigger budget. And now sometimes you're getting them the tens of thousands of dollars. With film, on the other side, it's kind of similar, just on a larger scale. Okay. Um, so the level of class of uh, of, of movie from, from the uh, from the A's where you're, everyone is union for sure, probably on the B levels, the uh, – um, uh, what do they call the basically the the the, the hallmarks that they do and oh the tiers like you're talking about yeah the yeah. tiers sorry yeah. um you know those are probably all union anyways yeah uh when you get into more independent films or the smaller ones and yeah you're kind of relying on yourself to find the right actors and uh and again you know it's kind of it's a just scale more, it's a little it's, more hit yeah. or miss right yeah. yeah okay um being a business owner in manitoba being a media company owner never mind um I, I, and this is something that I find that I want to ask a lot of people because I have gone through it with, with this podcast is that one day you decide to take an adventure on something that you want to do mm-hmm. and you, you find yourself questioning everything that you're doing because you're learning, right? So you don't have a resume to go to. You don't have a skill set that you've practiced, 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 and then you, you're, you're confident. So what I'm getting at is um, everybody goes through a little bit of fraud syndrome at some point or another. Imposter syndrome, fraud syndrome, whatever mm-hmm, you want to mm-hmm. call it. Um, was that something that you went through? or It's something I continuously, <laughs> daily <laughs> go through. That- I, I always feel that I am not supposed to be where I am and that everyone, no, I mean, not, not everyone, but I definitely feel like I never know enough. And I think that's, that's an entrepreneurial spirit in, in a way, and it's actually why a lot of entrepreneurs are depressed is that they never feel that they're actually doing their best potential. And so you'll actually see, you know, the people at work celebrating. We celebrated Alana, uh, my director of operations was like, we, we broke a million dollars a couple of years ago. We broke a million dollars in sales. That should be a huge deal. And I went, Oh yeah, but we could have done probably a little better here. And there. <laughs> yeah, there like, it is. I just, I just quashed it. <laughs> Because I didn't, you know, and then, you know, so uh, even at the stuff that I spend the most time, I never feel 100 percent confident in knowing. And, and, and I think there's a silver lining in that because it always makes you strive to it does do better. Yeah. But at the same time, it, it, it really makes you it makes it hard to be content. <laughs> it, it, no, I get <laughs> and it. And right? I burn out from it. I, I kind of going through a little spell not to share too much where I'm just like, what am I doing? I can't do this anymore. And 
uh, and uh, and you have to kind of get yourself back up and just go like it's okay. Uh, everyone is afraid on the inside to a certain degree. Oh, totally. no one, yeah. yeah, no one feels like they've got it all figured out, or those who do are actually then uh, uh, letting themselves sit in. Uh, uh, not being able to challenge themselves or allowing themselves to you plateaued and you're just to, like, to, yeah. To, yeah, to, to fade away. Um, you know, and, and I'm still trying to venture off into other things. We'd like to do a long form docu documentary. We're, we're talking with a producer who actually does that and we can join forces on that. We're looking into interactive video. We're uh, building, I'm building in-house digital marketing strategy for video. And then I'm also starting a separate company as well, which is, you know, uh, looking into legacy um, libraries of videos. And so I'm trying to, and that's the other problem with entrepreneurs that we try to do too many things and we don't yeah. succeed on any, any of them or we don't. You spread uh, yourself too thin. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's actually only like four of the 30 ideas that, you know, I kind of had and I'm trying to narrow it down to those four focuses. But it's being a creative, I feel like in anything yeah. that you're doing, because you're taking something that is uniquely you and trying to put it out there and get attention for it. And, and by attention, I don't mean like, look at me, look at me, but I mean doing something that somebody likes yeah. and thus, you know, paying attention to your efforts and your endeavors i feel like anybody who makes a thing always feels that there's a little bit of like there's the fear and the, and the fraudness right yeah like what 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 am i doing in my living room making a podcast what are you doing tackling the world and telling stories right because yeah. you went from not doing that to yeah. doing that you didn't grow up doing it right yeah. so yeah see we play it loose and i can't um, even <laughs> imagine in in your line of work you're almost selling you're selling your product, not just your your delivery of your product, but mm -hmm. you're selling the whole idea behind why you should use your product to people. It's not like you're selling toilet paper, right. where everybody needs toilet paper. Right. Right. You're selling the concept of this is why what I can offer you, you should use. Right. Right. And that's yeah. a whole different world. Yeah, it's it's a. Sometimes I wish I was in just a productized world where it's like I'm just trying to sell units. And it's not right. I'm, <laughs> yeah. you know, every sale involves some creative, uh, 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 you know, discussion, persuasion, education. Uh, I'm selling a service and a solution uh, as well as a product. And it can be sometimes exhausting because you can feel you just hear yourself saying the th same thing again and again. I mean, everything I said today, mostly I've said probably about 100 times each time and which is good it comes you, off your tongue pretty good well then yeah, you're buddy, yeah yeah because i you know oh my god like like nine eight years ago like uh or ten years ago dave uh, lewis who was you know my original business partner he had the gift of the gap he had this stuff figured out and he was really really good with uh uh clients and um i would just sit there a because he was he was talking quite a bit i would you know but i really didn't have much to add and then the one thing i did add never made any sense because i was just nervous and i was trying to add something for the sake of it and you just i get a half look for him and then later on you're like what the fuck was that like and i'm like i don't know why i don't know why i said that now i mean you can throw me in a room with the biggest vicious dogs and and i can pretty much take on any challenge that you've got um and that's just come from years of you know saying the same not the same thing but uh, uh, rehearsing yourself, uh, uh, reaffirming the things you believe in. And, mm. and, um, and so that it, it makes it really, really helpful. And it, it does allow me to come in and kind of get people to understand. I mean, again, there are a lot of organizations who can do things for a fraction of the price. And I, my job is to convince them why we're worth it to spend sometimes three or four times as much. And we go, this is why, and this is the value we add. This is the knowledge and the experience and the education that we have. Um, and this is the difference we can make if we do it right. 
which is actually why we're bringing in strategy uh, and digital marketing to our videos so that we can prove that that ROI and uh, measure it and show you how it works, hopefully if we're doing it right, um, and then be able to grow from that. That quantitative stuff that you can actually show to your clients. Yeah, because it's been kind of hard. Like, I mean, for years we were doing, everyone loves this. Yes, high five. It does it. It meets all the goals. This is great. Okay. Where are you guys putting it? Ah, we threw it on YouTube. <laughs> like, okay, cool. What'd you do with it? <laughs> nah, nothing. And like, it doesn't work though. You're like, why? Like, no one watched it. It's like, well, yeah, it just, you, there's, a, there's something called the, the, uh, the creative bias, which is that because you think because it's good, it will do well. Yeah. And that's just, there's just too much. You're kind out of your there. worst enemy in that regard yeah, sometimes. You need to, you know, you go back to Eric and Petey. They did not just throw that up online. They had a full PR uh, company behind. <laughs> is that your phone still? It's always my phone. I, I, every, it's there's a running this, fucking theme at this point. There's this thing called mute. I don't I've know. I've got whatever. it all. <laughs> you know what? It's all fucking tied together. So <laughs> it, our, our audience has come to know that there's always something that goes on during a that, show. <laughs> that's all. But, uh, it's part of the conflict, Doug. Yeah. That, there you go. <laughs> Will we'll it ring so- again? We'll solve I it one know. day. <laughs> Will he figure out where the mute button is? Who knows? Stay tuned. <laughs> Tune into our next episode. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> Well, this is my first experience, Doug, dealing with you as work, Doug. Right. We've known yes. each other for quite a long time. Yes. I, yeah. I must say that work, Doug, can has a very commanding presence in a room <laughs> when he's talking about what he, what he's passionate about, and what he knows. As opposed to my goofy presence uh, in in in, uh, in fun, Doug. Yeah. But I, I love both Dougs. Oh, well, I'm, 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 I don't I think he was complaining. <laughs> no, yeah. not at all. It's just so, when we're talking about your your area of specialty, uh, you you just oh, right thanks, in man. There. I really appreciate it's it. Good, That's yeah. really nice. You, you know your say. shit. Thank you, thank you very much. That feels good. I feel like I've learned a lot in a very short amount of time. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, well, I I hope. You know, I, I always tend to ramble. Uh, I like that I'm about to ramble about rambling, but um, <laughs> I you know I hope I can string the thoughts together. And and sometimes I talk really fast when I'm passionate, but. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's just stuff that uh, has been really helpful to me to help understand why we do what we do. And, to you know, my goal is just to get people to hopefully be able to do the same thing. It, it, we talk about making impact, and we want to make p- impact on the people who watch the films. We want to move them to action and make their lives better in some sort of way. We then want to make the clients better or who are, you know, who are – relationship is whether we make their business grow or we make them look better we are able to get out something that they've been trying to get out or we make them look good in front of their boss and that then has an impact on us because that we may we know that we're making a difference in people's lives um and we want to try and make sure that at least most of the work that we do if not all of it is doing that in some way that's great that's uh that i i want to make a movie with you Nice. <laughs> After this whole thing, let's, let's do we, it. Yeah, let's, maybe you yeah. can tell our story someday. Yeah, there. yeah. <laughs> All let's, right. When this gets long enough legs, let's let's tell the the documentary of I'm the real in. debaters. Um, I want to end this on uh, on some quick fires here, and this is in honor of the late great James Lipton uh, yes. from Inside the Actor Studio. You had ten. Qu- you know what? I when I when I started looking into this, I was like, does anybody else have questions like this? There's like. 15 philosophers and interviewers that have all kind of made this list like they've tweaked it a little bit but this is my favorite version so we will start with doug what is your favorite food french fries french from any specific french fry oh man like Like mcdicks burger king i mean like like greasy diner french fries but also mcdicks i mean yeah i'm a sellout for that stuff what's your favorite word Uh, my favorite word, someone, uh, from a business sense, people joke that I say ROI too much. Uh, <laughs> I have a, noticed it a few times. I know. Yeah, I do say yeah, it. Well, and, and, and so my team will always wait for me in a presentation and they'll time it. 
<laughs> I got like 34. Should I? 34 minutes is the mark. <laughs> you said ROI. I've, I've been ta- taking a sip of my drink every time you said it during this podcast. You, and See, you must be pretty tipsy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, what's, uh, what's your least favorite word? Uh, I, I got a handful. I, you know, uh, just the first one that comes to, to mind tits. <laughs> tits. Tits. Yeah. Tits. It's the tits. There's a whole bit from Richard, uh, from Richard Carlin, not Richard Carlin, Richard, George Carlin, <laughs> George Carlin. Thank yeah. you. I'm confusing him and Pryor, um, where he talks about the seven the words, seven get, words, the seven words, yeah. but he talks about how tits shouldn't be one of them. Yeah. And he's like, tits, it sounds like a snack. It sounds like, Hey, you know, put some tits in your mouth, chew on them. Right. Yeah. It's the, <laughs> it's the phonetic. It's just too sharp. Yeah. It, it yeah. I don't like feels, it either. Yeah. I'm with you on this. Nice one. tits. I'm like, ah, uh, what turns you on? Jesus. It doesn't, it, it, no. <laughs> Jesus does not turn me on. Sorry. Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. This is not a sexual question. This is just something that gets you gets you going, turns you on, makes you happy. Darn it. I shouldn't have had these sips. Oh, I was going to say sips of uh, beer. Beer turns me on. No. Beer? Okay. Uh, no. Um, I think what turns me on is uh, is a well-told story. <laughs> That's such a cop out. That's Move fine. On. All right. Move What's on. what? What turns you off? Uh, people being late. Okay, Ooh. you're punctual, motherfucker. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, what sound or noise do you love? <laughs> what sound of noise do I love? Uh, I like a, I like a good woohoo from people. Uh, you know, in, in in honor of folk festivals uh, happening this weekend, I don't mean to timestamp this podcast, but it'll be the first time without. And when everyone just cheers in a group at the campsite, boy, is that the best feeling ever? That one, and I'll follow. That turns me on. That turns yeah. Very yeah. few things bring people together like that, like a chant yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, just just a primal like everyone everyone stop and yell. It's like really when you think about it, <laughs> what that, that they're doing it's, it's kind of odd. Fairly <laughs> archaic. <laughs> yeah, and I lose my voice every. <laughs> what sound or noise do you hate? Um, I mean, you know, there's fingernails on a, a chalkboard. Uh, oh, there was something else the other day. You know, any kind of weird squeak, um, um, like when you push a uh, dinner plate across a, a table. Oh, okay, like an un unestab- Yeah, okay, I know. Yeah, like or a fork on a plate. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's uh, a bad one. Yeah, that is a bad one. I'm going to save the next one for last because it's my favorite oh, question. Uh, what profession... Other than the one that you have right now, would you want to attempt? Uh, I would love to. Uh, I have always wanted to go into stand-up comedy, to be perfectly honest. I would have loved to uh, try it, that. I also actually wanted to be an architect. Uh, really? I had a drafting table in my uh, in my bedroom as a as a preteen and a teenager, and uh, and I never did any actual drafting on it. It ended up being just a table that held like my my warcraft uh, little designs on it <laughs> and your laundry that. probably yeah yeah, yeah yeah but uh i i always i still have a, a really big affinity for architecture and actually city planning i love the infrastructure of cities mm. yeah so something in there okay all right uh what profession would you not like to do oh god um man and i don't mean to any any job that involves me having to do the same thing all day every day. Okay. I I, I hate to say it, but you, and there are very honorable people who who work in these professions, but where you just see someone basically like a cog in the machine doing the same thing every day. Monkey it's on just, a typewriter, right? Yeah, yeah. it's okay. just like, oh man, I would I would go I'd go pretty nuts. Yeah, that you do need a challenge. You do yeah. need some change, right? Some changes. Mean, like, or or anything involved being in sewers. Let's say that. You mean like playing the same song over and over? Yeah, and over. No, just yeah. <laughs> You did want to be a musician when you were young. Well, you know, I did play in, I, I played in cover bands for a while, and that's what it got to. It really got to, I'm like, this is not me. This is not my music. I'm, uh, I'm spending every weekend, you know, like, and I, I know people who love it and do it all the time. 
you know, and, and actually have done very well. Jeff St. Germain, it does it every single day in Vegas or almost every single day. And he loves it. And that's amazing for me. I just, uh, I it felt like I was just going through the motions. What's your favorite curse word? Uh, I mean, like, uh, douchebag is so good for a while. It's not really a, a big curse word. Uh, douche nozzle is also pretty good. <laughs> uh, and I mean, you just can't go wrong with fuck. It has just so many, uh, um, uses. There's a really great documentary about the word fuck. It's uh, called yeah. fuck. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's one of the only words that can be used basically as a, like, what is it? As adjective, a good thing, verb, an adjective, verb, noun, adverb, pro, pro, yeah, pro verb. positive, negative, like <laughs> pronoun. I meant it almost is a proverb. proverb. <laughs> the book of fuck, the book of fuck yeah. verse one. Fuck. Uh, and lastly, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> There's the callback. <laughs> uh, probably be more like, you sure you're supposed to be here? <laughs> I got to check the list again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Doug, please tell everybody where they can find anything about Tripwire Media. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, www.tripwiremedia.com. Uh, we have lots of our work up there, a little bit about our process as well. Uh, and of course, you can find us on Facebook uh, is where we primarily are, as well as Instagram. Uh, I think we have a, uh, oh, sorry, of course we have a LinkedIn account, and I am on LinkedIn. That's a great place to find me and to chat. Um, and uh, and then, of course, we are on Twitter, but not really. <laughs> yeah, we're there. <laughs> we're there. We have a presence. It's not exciting. Yeah, no. It's, it's, Twitter's a hard fucking world to live in right now. Twitter's a place for a voice. Like, Twitter's a place that I should be personally, yeah, where I may be yeah. sharing thoughts. It's, I don't think it's great for, uh, well, for our company, unless we really wanted to have a voice for the company, you know, Voicing opinions, blah, blah, blah. So. Yeah, it is a me thing, not an us thing, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for doing this at the end of a long, hot day. That was super awesome of you. Yeah, I got to actually get back to work after this. I oh, got, wow. I got stuff okay. to do. Yeah. Well, I will shimmy you on. Oh, it's um, all good. Shimmy so, away. Uh, I got nothing. Yeah. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, I have been Michael Petro. To my right has been Mark Cowell. And our special guest, Doug Darling. We are gone. Our pleasure, Doug. Thank you. Thanks, guys.